Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster. My name is KS Bowling, and I'm joined with the whole team, plus one. Not quite a newbie. What up? What up? The whole squad. <laughs> the whole squad's here. Uh, Owen, of course, is back two weeks in a row, which is fire. Astounding. And, <laughs> and uh, Jack is back as well, uh, fresh off a trip. Fresh off a trip. He went to a wedding yes. this weekend. Yes, I wore a bow tie and and drank many of uh, many of John Daly's <laughs> over the weekend. It was fantastic. But I need to tell you that I literally stayed in the most motel of motels ever, man. There's <laughs> I've been staying in Long Beach Island and I'm telling you, I get in there, there's a bed with one sheet on top of like the bed sheet, one pillow, a TV the size of a, a computer screen that's fuzzy, and <laughs> just a microwave. Get it oh, up, right? it, it, plus yeah. it, it, it was it was unbelievable. Two it was hey, un- you guys I got a microwave got murdered. You got a microwave. That's a plus. It, it was it was wild. There's a pool, but the ocean was like 50 yards away, so it was just like these kids just fucking running around everywhere. It was wild. But great great wedding. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we got um, Sam back with us. Uh, he actually helped me out with a little with a little Batman Returns thing that we did. Uh, he helped me out with that, and I actually kind of met Sam in like the little like virtual press uh, room that we have to wait in while we're uh, waiting to do our press junkets, so that's where we kind of first, first noticed each other. Um, you know, Owen and Jack weren't uh, on before when you were here last. So uh, let them know what you're all about and uh, let the listeners who haven't heard uh, what you're all about as well. Sure. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm Sam Stone. I uh, I write for CBR. I write for Looper. I write for SVG. I write for um, Popverse. I, you know, just kind of an all around like pop culture dude. There we go. Sam, good to have you back, man. Which is I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about this comic book news. CBR, <laughs> love that shit. Love that. What's in a John Daly? What is in a John Daly? <laughs> Let's go back to that. You know what an Arnold Palmer is? Yeah. It's that with and vodka. Food. Yeah. That's all it is. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, will, I will make one after I get off the line. I'm telling you, man, it's really a summer drink. It, it's, it's light, it's crisp, and if you just get the right amount of vodka, oh, it's off. refreshing. Perfect. <laughs> oh God, we're gonna change Welcome this podcast <laughs> to about being luscious and drinking John Daly's on the regular. That's a, that's the new concept. <laughs> I'm down with that. <laughs> um, so today uh, we have like a little, a few news items, not a lot, but the bulk of the episode is uh, it, it will be the 10th anniversary of the Amazing Spider-Man. So we're gonna be talking about that. Uh, we'll be talking about that a the little most bit. Forgotten uh, Spider-Man, I would say the most forgotten Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, and I watched it. I watched it again. I watched it again, like a couple of days so. ago. A lot better than uh, it is perceived to be. I think. Do you um, think it was ahead of its time, or was it just too soon after? Save it. Fun? Save it for the discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. We always do this. We always just right, jump into the one thing we're not supposed to talk about yet. So before we get the news, is right now. Uh, Owen, what did you do? Did you watch anything this weekend or uh, catch anything, catch up yeah, on anything? So, um, this weekend, I actually watched um, pretty much the entire season. I think I might be on the last one, maybe the last couple of the uh, Umbrella Academy. Oh, okay. I thought yeah, you were going to say Peaky uh, Damn it. I, I didn't realize how much I missed the show until I started the third season, and it has been hard to not put on immediately as soon as I get home. 
Um, it's one of those things that I just can't, they always leave me on a cliffhanger, ready for the next episode. And um, I think it has the perfect dichotomy of like they don't really take themselves too much seriously. Um, and they kind of have fun with it. And that's what I really like about it. It's like they make this superhero trope more of a, hey, listen, everyone's kind of doing this. We're going to fuck with time. We're going to mess around with whatever is the craziest thing of the time and uh, and just do it and maybe give you a uh, conspiracy theory into the Kennedy murders. So, I mean, I mean, it's just great. I, I absolutely love it. So it's, it's been a great watch and uh, good to revisit the series. It it definitely is one of those shows on Netflix when you first popped on, you're like, what am I watching? And then all of a sudden you find yourselves eight episodes in and you're like, I fucking love Claude. Like Claude is the man. Like, and then all of a sudden you get the little fucking dude who is just like jumping through time, but he can't I, age. So he's like I, 500 <laughs> years old. Well, he does age, but he just reincarnates himself into a younger body. Whatever. It's so confusing, but at the same time, <laughs> they're just, they're all so endearing too. It's like, um, I would compare it to like the characters of Winnie the Pooh. They all represent, like a, a a symptom like Eeyore's depression, uh, uh, and then there's like you know ADD and all that whatnot. And I think these people, these characters, represent a very good uh, you know dichotomy of like you're saying of today's people, you know. And so I, I just think it's fantastic. I haven't watched it, the new one yet, um, but as soon as I saw the trailer that they play on the Netflix like pop up, um, I was like, oh my god, that's right, they completely have to fight a new sparrow now. And then I I saw something about a dance act or something, so I'm 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 excited for it. It's uh, definitely one of those. It's like it's to me. It's number two to the boys and off off brand comics that have really just nailed it because no one was expecting it to be good or expecting it at all. Wow, nice. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm behind. I haven't finished season two. I don't know why I stopped. Well, I like. I, I, I liked oh, what bad. I was watching. I, I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> I liked what I was watching. I don't know why I stopped. I mean, I just got busy. Um, Sam, but I've heard I great big, things. I saw I've heard great things about the season. Yeah. I heard, I heard great things about the third season. I heard they also h- handled the uh, Elliot Page stuff uh, really well. As, yeah, uh, they really did. Yeah. Um, he had a hand in 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 informing that character's storyline, so mm-hmm. to make sure that everything was above board. That, which is that's not and that's nice to see that because I was wondering how they were going to do it, and mm-hmm. every review I've every review I've read of the show said that it was completely respectful and. Uh, they really handled it the best way they could, and it actually turned out really great. So, yeah, she's yeah. a she's a she's a dude now, right? She identifies as a man. Elliot right? yeah, identifies as a him. As okay, a him. well, and I mean, if it's the Umbrella Academy, that's totally par for the course. Like you can you can do whatever in that, and especially since they fuck up time more than anybody, I think it's it's more believable than not, and easier than I would say. Sam, <laughs> there are fluctuations <laughs> without going into. In the spoilers, maybe for Gaius, there are fluctuations <laughs> in time caused by season two that maybe have an effect on the characters going at the start of season three. And yeah, I mean, it's the season three de- deals with a lot of like branching, divergent timelines. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you'll you have that to look forward to. But nice. I think they do a great job as well of introducing Elliot in in the sense that there's kind of two different perspectives that people come out of it as. Hey, listen, like everyone just be, be cool and like, make it not a big deal. This is their journey. And I think we should continue uh, on their journey as well. And then there's also, we should make a deal out of this because they're coming out to us and we want to make them feel special because this is a big moment in their life. And they actually attack that very well in the show. 
And I think that they make it not awkward, but also very inclusive. And they do a fantastic job of just kind of bringing it all together and making it, um, this is what it is now. And then, they, then we move forward. And I think it's, they do a great job. All right, Jack, did you watch anything? Uh, oh, you were gone. You had a wedding, so you didn't watch anything. I was gone, but um, I don't think we've talked, <clears throat> I don't think we've talked about, uh, um, Lincoln Lawyer on, uh, on it got Netflix. renewed, by the way. For, it got renewed for season it two. It did? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Everybody's, so, coming, um, everybody's coming back. Fun fact about me that Owen and Gaius knows that during the pandemic, um, I just started cranking out books. I was just reading all the time, like bars, <laughs> parties. It's just like, you know what? After a certain point in time, seeing everybody so many times, I just need to read a book in the same place. You would take, you would take um, it out in also front of us. We're all hanging out. It was his move at a party. That was what he was yeah, doing. It, it was, it, it, it's like <laughs> shooting fish in a barrel. It was awesome. But anyways, like, um, I've read all of the <laughs> I've read all of the Lincoln Lawyer books and so and then the movie. So I think this it, the show is awesome. So I was just rewatching it. Um, if you haven't watched it, guys, I definitely would take the time to watch it. It's fantastic. I watched the first couple episodes. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was interesting because this got developed at CBS. So it kind of feels a little bit like a network show. Uh but I like oh, the we cast. Have talked and about this, we talked about that part of it. Yeah, I like the cast though so far. And uh yeah. I'm have all, you seen I'm it? All... <laughs> okay, uh, have you watched it, Sam? Oh me? No, yeah. no, no. I uh the what I, I've been into um I just got done uh, reviewing the, and I can talk about it because it's after the, the the embargo. I just got done uh, reviewing the screeners for the Terminal List for Prime Video. Oh, Chris Pratt. Ooh. Is is Prime Video like the go to platform for like dad television? Because you yes. got hundred <laughs> percent. You, know, you know why? You've got Reacher. You've got like all of the like you know without remorse, <laughs> which I'm aware is a movie, but like you've got you know, all. What I use my dad's. You know, yeah. but you, you, know, you know why you know why because they have the prime subscription so they're obviously gonna just go like when they're doing buying stuff they're just gonna go to the prime video it's just yeah. easy for them to do yeah on a remote yeah. I, heard, I heard bad things about this show bad things i heard bad things too we reviewed it too and it didn't we didn't i didn't review it but someone else said it was really boring that was the, like the worst thing they said about it that was Someone slow. said Terminal by Chris Pratt is a terminal fail. I can't use that as my headline. Okay, all right. I'll keep that in mind. But the, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's just, it's like not as good, like revenge, re- like military revenge stuff, like kind of like the without, you know, without remorse is the first thing that comes to mind with Michael B. Jordan. Um, you Tom know, Clancy uh, wrote that. Tom Clancy did write yeah. that, came out. Also, you have to notice that like Amazon's taking all of the the books. They got yeah, like reach reaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so they have a great deal with all the publishers, so they can just be like, you know what, that's an awesome thing. You want to make a trillion, a, a, a million dollars? Yeah, yeah. So there it's just like the action's fine. Um, I don't know if Pratt maybe has the range that the uh, role requires. Um, so. After yeah. the Tomorrow War, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't see his acting chops making me feel dramatic. Like I think, he, I think he's he's, he's fooled us. He's, 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 he's fooled like, us a lot. I think. Yeah, he's filled us with Jurassic Park. Now with Tomorrow War. Now with Terminal. Like 
go back to being funny, man. Like you're you're a great comedic <laughs> that, actor, but now that I'm thinking about it, every as like as much money as, as they've made. Like, like now that I'm thinking about it, every emotional scene that Chris Pratt does, where he's like, does it? He has a certain face where it's like it's like scrunched, like all of me in the crease, like <laughs> you know, it's like it's like he's constipated or something. I'm like, dude. It, no, Gamora, no! Blue? Blue! It's like, it's all the same shit. There is a couple scenes in the terminal list where he clearly has to, like, think about something where he's like, okay, now you're going to start to turn sad. Like, you can see those gears start to turn in his face. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. He takes a long time to 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 move from emotion to emotion. Do you think that it's his fault because he's been... Like, do you think it's this agent who's casting him in bad stuff that's been badly written, or because I mean he's obviously a genius actor. I respect him tenfold. I like. like I mean, he's done a lot of characters perfectly, but some of these other dramatic ones, he just hasn't really hit my, the nail on the yeah. head. My favorite Chris Pratt role is another is a dramatic role. It's not a comedic role. I love him in Moneyball. He's great in Moneyball. Dude, I was just watching that yesterday. It's my all-time all top five movie for me. Easy. Uh, I've seen it so many times. I love that movie. Yeah, he's it's great. Just a, good, a good trend is that the Yankees are doing so well. They keep playing the Moneyball music at the end of it when he hits the dinger um, against all home runs. Now it just hits different. It really just hits different. Yeah. <laughs> Joey I, Bean's I worst think, nightmare comes up. I think Chris Pratt has fallen on back on like kind of playing a variation of himself a lot which is kind of a problem like i didn't really notice this until he got really popular like after guardians and then jurassic world and i would watch him in interviews and like the kind of quippy stuff he does in those movies that's like his personality and he kind of falls back on that a lot so that's why when he does like more dramatic stuff it's hard for me to buy it as much i'm not saying that he's a bad actor i just think that he's better with certain material i think he's much better with more comedic, like light material than anything dramatic, with the exception of Moneyball. I do agree with that. I thought he was really good in that. But I like, feel like his premise as an actor, because Adam Sandler, we always know as like this slapstick kind of guy, and then he takes these dramatic roles and kills it. And yeah. hustle. Adam, and, Adam Sandler is built different. Okay? Like, 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 can we <laughs> give Chris Pratt the benefit of the doubt, or do we think that he nope. can actually be in dramatic roles? But does he have a daughter in this movie? He always has a daughter. He always I'm does. So, he, always, he always has a daughter. He has to save. He has to save them. He always <laughs> has a daughter. She's always like six or seven years old too. This is <laughs> this trend continues. Oh no! <laughs> of course. It does. Yeah, I think it maybe uh, goes in ways you might not expect, but that trend continues. Hey. Well, I mean, again, I think I think he knows what he needs to fall back on in order to in order to like emote. He's like, these are the things that I care about. I care about being a father. I care yeah. about this. Yeah, I think that he kind of, uh, maybe not on purpose. I mean, I, I was, tr- what Owen was saying, like, is it like poorly written stuff or is it just him? Like, I don't really think he's found like the right dramatic thing yet to kind of, I don't think so either. Br- to, break, to break him out of like what he does with like Guardians and yeah. the Jurassic franchise. Like, he hasn't yeah. really found that thing yet. Okay. And there's still time, of course. But like, he just, yeah, okay. Found- but I, but I personally feel that like he's not really like he's doing different roles. Like one, he's a space traveler. The other one, he's a a dinosaur trainer. And then the other one, tomorrow, and I don't really know what that was. He's like an ex. Oh, hearing a sci-fi action hero. Sorry, that's yes, literally yeah, okay, all I'm yeah. hearing. 
Yeah, so he has, he, he, I think he has pregnantisms in like all of them. Athletic. He's athletic. <laughs> Yeah. And wow. the, everyone's yeah. banking on his guardian's juice. That's it. Like he's not. He's just not. Like he's not. Like I haven't seen him in a real dramatic role since Moneyball. And I think, like Owen said with Adam Sandler, he could do it well, but it's not really proven he is. I mean, like even Passengers didn't do well. Like Passengers, like Passengers all the time. Set up for success, and it did not do well. You Passengers, talk about that movie yeah. so much. That movie is what <laughs> broke. Let's be honest. Like, what I'm I think. Yeah. I think so too. I think Sam so too. Said it right. Sam said it right. Yeah, the there's pre-passengers Chris Pratt, and then there's post-passengers Chris Pratt, and yeah. we're in the post phase. And maybe he needs to find better, like better material to work with, or maybe a better agent. I think I really think he does. Yeah, this agent is but, selling him stuff that is not well written. I'm worried right, he'll get play. too big where he gets to make his own passion project, and then he really goes downhill. Oh <laughs> no! Well, you know, gonna, like that gonna, one, that that one story he's always wanted to tell. The Bible. I'll play devil, devil's advocate for a second, because like <laughs> the Bible. Uh, what? But what if he's just like a Ryan Reynolds and he just has his wheelhouse and that and that's what works for him? Is that? Yeah, the difference. The difference, fine. and it's something, it's something I think about because Ryan Reynolds and The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, have a clear range, but they right. found it out how to work in that pocket. Um, I would argue Dwayne more than Ryan, but. Um, I don't think I don't think Chris has found his pocket yet. I think he's I think he's looking, but he's uh, I think yeah, he needs no. to find his director. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 Christopher Nolan has Cillian Murphy. Um, uh, Denis Villeneuve has that fucking weird looking dude. You know what I'm talking, <laughs> about, talking about? You know what I'm talking about? He's got a few. <laughs> no, it's like his, 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 he's got a last weird last name. So it was an M, I think. Uh, but you know, he's they, they certain that he needs to find his director. I think that's what that's what'll work for him. I mean, I disagree. I think he needs to find his writer because he he is a very talented actor in general, but he needs to find someone that's going to write him dialogue that fits with his personality. And yeah. I think that he's I, been, it's called Star Lord. Yeah, <laughs> afterwards, he's been trying to take these dramatic roles, and they've been trying to take him too seriously. Yeah, like if you're oh, gonna lean oh, into this oh. kind of stick, like you got to go to the Ryan Reynolds route and basically say, "I'm gonna be a comedically action figure where I'm not gonna take it too seriously," and that's just who right. I am. And like you oh. kind of got to go either that route or I'm not good at dramatic roles. Or also stop chasing franchises because it seems like he's doing that yeah. too. He's trying. Like, it seems like he's doing that a lot. And yeah, like, give him, yeah, do an indie, do an indie. Yeah, I mean, like, kind of prove like you don't need. And I know, like, for a lot of actors, they want that big ten pole release, like that big like move. But he has a few now. He has a few under. He has a few. Yeah, he has a few under his belt. So maybe like try to like challenge your range a little bit more. I kind of feel bad. Like, he I I usually like him, but like I can kind of see where like he's stifled at times too. Where he's, like he, he can, he's kind of been his ego has been blown up, and he's kind of just eaten up into it. Like he's just kind of been like, you know, like I'm offered these big roles. I'm going to take them. And yeah. there's nothing against that. But I think you should kind of go back to, listen, I'm part of two very successful franchises, Parks and Rec, um, Marvel. I'm a superhero. Like, let me do something that's close to me. Show me who I really am. Rather than doing something on Amazon Prime that's unsuccessful. Right. I, yeah. I mean, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think he just needs to kind of reevaluate what he wants from his career. And yeah. And uh, I actually thought the trailer for Terminal List was decent. It looked interesting. Yeah. But then, 
the review started pouring out and I was like, oh man, that sucks. I, it kind of doesn't flow as well as it possibly could have. Was this an impromptu back to the blockbuster approved Chris Pratt? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> it kind of, I did kind of turn into one. A little yeah. Bit. So should we go around the horn? What do you guys think? <laughs> uh, do I approve Chris Pratt? Uh, I mean, can I, I? I I reserve the right to change my mind, but yeah, like, of course. <laughs> the dudes like, dude can act. Dude, can, dude's entertaining. There's a reason why he like. Um, can he be Super Mario? We're about to find out. You know, oh, we are. <laughs> uh, but I think all in all, I'm like, yeah, thumbs up to Chris Pratt. But like, it's a thumbs up with like, uh, like watch it, like kind of. Yeah. <laughs> it's like slightly broken. <laughs> with, uh, with an asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll go with an asterisk as well. I mean, I like for the most part when he pops up and stuff, I, I like him. And like, um, it's just the more dramatic stuff where I'm like, oh, you could be doing much better or maybe picking something that's much better. But yeah, I'll give him, I'll give him the approval because he's he is a likable dude too, so it's hard not to yeah. Yeah. like him. Jack says no. <laughs> I mean the trend continues. It's it's always two it's always two against one, but I need to ask yeah. Sam now that he's been part of at least a, a blockbuster approved. What do you think of Jared Leto? I'm maybe not not God damn it! I'm on my side. Welcome, Sam. No. Welcome. Welcome, Sam. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, I- yeah, I actually, you know, covered Morbius too, guys. Um, yeah, maybe he can take can take the break. Maybe I can, like, maybe uh, he needs to find his way too because he has a yeah. that dude won an Academy Award versus Chris Pratt. All right, but, can we just cu- cut so, this right now? I do not want to talk more. Yeah, about no, I, just, I know what I I know what I started and I regret it. <laughs> We're talking about Chris Pratt. Oh God, that's uh, yeah, no, All but right. uh, yeah, I don't think Chris Pratt. Uh, it's just the action movies outside of Star Lord. Like I want to watch them, but like they're just lackluster. Um, yeah, I really think he needs to find like a director that'll 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 be able to like really bring it out of him. I mean, James Gunn is is probably that guy. But, it's like uh, that from, but with a different. Project. Yeah, exactly. So maybe maybe hop on a James Gunn project outside of superheroes and let's see what he can do with that. I mean, even if James Gunn can do that. Yeah, I was gonna say tell James Gunn that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. So what's well, your rating? Um, I, approved or not approved? He no. doesn't approve him. Okay, so I'm actually going to agree with Jack on this one. Um, yeah. Did you just switch off? Did you just switch off? <laughs> no, I didn't actually. Uh, I never said my rating, but oh, yeah. no, I, I just I loved Chris Pratt for so long with Parks and Rec, and even when he became Star Lord, I started to kind of dislike him a little bit. Um, I think he lost his love for cinema and he just became sort of obsessed with what the next character is going to be rather than what he wants to do like and chasing hits yeah chasing hits and Action so I, hits. the only reason i'm saying no yeah. is because of sort of the uh the progression he's been on i mean once he's gotten star lord that was just the decline so i'm saying no because i'm i'm not i mean every single project he's made recently i haven't been excited to see so it's not like i'm dying to go see chris pratt in theaters or even on the Small screen, so well, that's why I'm yeah. voting no. I mean, I, I'm surprised I'm giving him an asterisk because I absolutely hated Jurassic World Dominion, and that was the last thing I saw him in. Um, I, I won't even. I, I won't even go see it. it. It wasn't really his fault. I mean, like he didn't really. The, his character and Bryce Dallas Howard's character—they were just there. 
Like they didn't really have a lot to do, and that had nothing to do with them as performers. It was just the writing the was depth. just bad. Yeah, yeah, locusts. Yeah, locusts. Yeah, you have that brilliant setup from Fallen Kingdom, and you just like, eh, no, <laughs> we're not going to do that. Yeah, remember, uh, yeah, remember when Jurassic Park was about dinosaurs and not locusts? Remember yeah, that? Now it's, now it's about locusts. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'll give him an asterisk. I still like him enough to give him a No, shot. I mean... Oh, yeah, no, that's like saying guy, I did like him. I just... He's just not an actor. I'm like, he's got... To me, he doesn't prove, prove himself as an actor. Yeah. Jones and I, 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 I can't willingly and morally give him a back to the blockbuster approved. He <laughs> said <So> morally. Morally. <laughs> against, <laughs> against your moral code. It, to get I wouldn't that. sleep at night. I wouldn't sleep at night. <laughs> All right, Chris Pratt. Well, we weren't even planning on doing this, Chris, so sorry. Um, yeah. Sorry, um, cut shit on. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, I saw I, I saw the black phone again over the weekend. I saw it back in October. Saw it back in October at Beyond Fest uh, the first time, and then was dying to talk about it with people when it was going to come out in January, and then they pushed it back to June. Now, I have, now people have finally seen it. It seemed like most people really, really like it. I took my brother to see it. He really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, I think it's one of the like better horror movies to come out in the last few years uh and i just love the whole 70s vibe it's got the whole kind of throwback like to like it's a little like influences from like halloween a little bit from like texas chainsaw a little bit there's a lot of like you can tell that they were influenced by like the horror movies from the past and uh ethan hawk is uh amazing in this i mean he never really gets to play parts like this and he is genuinely creepy they don't use him like a ton they kind of hold him back a bit so that he when they do use him it's completely frightening Very, um, yeah but he like he has moments where he's giving dialogue where he goes from like being like calm and kind of like maniacal like, and, then, and then it switches on yeah he's really good and uh the two kids are also amazing and it, actually they carry the entire uh movie on their backs because you know he's uh ethan hawks a supporting player in it and so you really are relying on these two virtual like newcomers to Carry so the movie if, Oscar, really if Oscar hard. came, would if Oscars came, would he get supporting actor? He would if he got if they if they were brave enough to nominate. He him. was nominated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which yeah, no one in any right mind would ever do that for a horror movie, which sucks because some of these are so fantastic. Oh yeah, some are. Yeah. The, last, the last horror movie to get the nod was what? The Silence of the Lambs. I think yeah, like pure Ooh, like yeah, and then, and then people yeah, and then people debate so many good ones since then. Yeah, people debate whether or not that's a horror movie. They're like, oh, it's more of a thriller, but like, um, and then before that, thriller. I guess like was it like I think the Exorcist back in the day that, that got nominated for a lot of stuff when it came out. Uh Exorcist um, but, and The Omen both got nominated for Best Picture. Um, neither won. It's interesting. Yeah. Like there's a lot of like really I mean, 70s is kind of a heyday um for horror. I mean, maybe uh like Let the Right One In got nominated for like Best Foreign Language. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, not I, I, would, I would say mid 2000s had a pretty good run with um, Insidious, The Conjuring, Paranormal Activity. I mean, those films were like pretty much critically nominated and they didn't get a single nod. I mean, everyone was talking about them, everyone was seeing them, everyone knew them, and they didn't get a single Our, even. I think Hereditary run. is uh, another uh, good one. Her, like Hereditary, I think Tony Collette could have been nominated for Best Actress. She was great in that. And, uh, uh, it, you know, horror's always been the rotten stepchild of uh, cinema, so <laughs> they, they don't like so technology. Do you think that's why they're kind of going in a different way with um, movies like Midsummer, where they're kind of taking it in more of a thriller 
path to maybe get nominated rather than just being a straight up horror movie and sticking to their guns? Well, it's almost like horror, I feel like, is kind of going like at least the prestige horror um, is going more in like almost like an art house direction with like Midsummer mm. and uh, like It Follows or where it has Mother. that kind of indie sheen, um, you know, but uh, The Witch, that's another good one. Yeah. Robert Eggers. Um, they feel, like, feel like that's a movie that only critics like. Yeah. So. <laughs> Right. So, there, so there's that there's that stigma, like in like the in the new Scream, they call movies like that like the like elevated horror, like they're not like they're like for smart people. That's what basically. I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you know, it's funny is that like I I have a buddy who every time he sees that a horror film got like a ninety something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, he's like, it's probably trash. It's <laughs> he's like, I probably won't. Like, he's like, I probably won't like it. And I'm like, that sucks. I mean, but it is like, I mean, like for certain audiences, they're expecting certain things from horror movies. And then when they get the more prestige elevated ones that aren't necessarily like full of jump scares and gore, they're more like yeah, psychological. Yeah. They're more psychological. They're more of a slow burn. Like some people don't like that. Like they, they need to I mean, be like fucking jolted every five minutes. Like you can add that, but like, I think that um, if it's rated PG 13, that's what gets me out. As long as it's rated R, I'm going to go see it. And those are the ones that I think that pretty much hide away from the Oscar um, seekers. Yeah. Well, I think you should see the black phone. It's really, I think you would really like it. It's really well done. And I've, been dying, I've been dying to see it. Oh, oh nice. No. <laughs> what the VHS? What? <laughs> no, no. It's a book. It's a book. It's, made, it's based on the book. Yeah. Which obviously was bought after the movie came out because it has a picture of Ethan Hawke on, uh, Ethan Hawke on it. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the original title for the short story collection, including the black phone, is 20th Century Ghosts. Um, nice. which is a different short story in it. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's a good time. Um, you know, Gaius, you mentioned, um, you mentioned scream and there's been some scream rumors lately, not to seg too hard. Yeah, there have, I mean, um, so I, Owen wasn't on when we talked about this last, but Jack was, and Jack was like, you know, I don't really know a lot about screaming and whatever, but he had an opinion on the whole Neff Campbell, uh, basically like negotiations falling, falling through. Like they, they essentially weren't going to pay her her worth to come back for this one. And that's what she basically said. Like, she was like, I, I know my worth in these films. Like I know what I should be getting. She's been in five of them. She is the face of the franchise pretty much. Uh, she should be getting like a decent amount of money. Like in a perfect world, she would have what Jamie Lee Curtis has with these new Halloween movies where she's also getting like a producing credit to actually make money off of the box office and all that. So, so Nev Campbell, like she made an announcement like a while ago saying that she wasn't going to be in it. And that was the reason why, why uh, social media like went off about why that was the reason they were really upset that Paramount wasn't paying her what they should be paying her, especially since they're having a stellar fucking year with all, all their movies have been hits this year, especially Top Gun. So there's money in the bank to give to her. A billion uh, dollars. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's money to give to Nev Campbell. Yeah. Um, but I, there was, there's been a lot of rumors since, uh, and I don't really buy into them usually, but like this one is coming from someone that has broken some screen rumors and they've actually turned out to be true. And they're saying that like behind the scenes, they work things out with her and she like secretly signed on, but they don't want to like talk about it publicly too much. They, they kind of want to do like a Andrew Garfield, Tom McGuire, like no way home, like surprise kind of thing. And they're also saying that like the, little role that she has in scream six kind of directly ties her 
into this final one, which will be seven of this new trilogy. So, oh so they need, God. so they need, so they need her to be in it. Is what they're basically saying. Uh, um, so she'll basically be like Luke, Luke Skywalker at the end of the Force Awakens. I mean, it's uh, just coming to the point, it's just coming to the point where just you you need someone to wrap up the trilogy, and you're relying on this one person to make the final act. And if it's not good, then everyone hates it. And to rely on one person to finish up the trilogy. I mean, I respect the fact that they're going after the original actress actor, but like, God, at a certain point, stop with the games where it's like, Oh, we're going to have them in there or no, we're not. I, it might be a surprise. And then it gets leaked and then you find out and then you see the movie and you're like, I knew this the whole time. Yeah, like yeah. For, that, that, that's what's frustrating to me. It's like, everyone's going to find out early. Just let people know. And let us decide whether or not we like it. I don't know. It's yeah. getting frustrating at this point. If we're following the Star Wars trajectory, does that mean that Gale dies in, in Scream 6 to set up Sydney and... What happened with and- Sydney? I mean, they the, the, the problem with like the legacy characters, because you know, they got rid of Dewey in this last one. Uh, there's so yeah. there's so many people that want them both to just survive. And like I think for a lot of people who... They love Nev Campbell as Sydney. They love Courtney Cox's Gale. But there's also a lot of fans who are like, "Hey, it's been like now six movies. It becomes how harder to survive. How survive the entire time, right?" Yeah. But I will say this for people who are like, uh, "Like, who cares if Nev Campbell's in it?" I, every time we write a story about Nev Campbell and Scream, and it's it, she, it it trends hard. Like the one we we the, we covering the rumor we did on Monday. It's still our top trending story on Joe Blow because oh, people don't can't because people. That- because people don't tell care me you're about covering the rumor. I hate that. I, they made me cover the rumor, but <laughs> they were like, "Hey, like you should cover the rumor because you like the movie." And I was like, "Well, I would oh. rather cover. I would rather cover the fact, like if it was like true." Um, should, should we just make this uh, podcast called "Back to the Blockbuster Slash Scream Podcast"? We talk. <laughs> <laughs> I know we talk about we talk about it a lot, and like just because you know, if we kind of started it's, when like this last people, one, people love to right know about what's going on with Scream. Dude. Yeah, and like you know, and, Nef, and the people love Nev Campbell. I mean, like she, yeah. she's a, yeah, I mean, she oh, is a. Gaze, do you see what's happening right now, bud? Right. Wait, what's happening? <laughs> Owen is just ro- rolling you right now. He is. I know. Whatever. <laughs> if I if I if I can support Nev Campbell, I will support Nev Campbell. I am a I am a Scream fan. I like it. <laughs> Listen, I am all about I am all about the Scream. I am all about the Scream. I do want Owen, the silent assassin. I know, right? A little bit. Well, anyway, speaking of stuff that made a lot of money, uh, we <laughs> wait. <laughs> uh, last week, Jack was like, "I was like, hey, is Top Gun Maverick's close to a billion dollars," and you're like, "Ah, I, I don't know if it's." And then it did it like last weekend. It, it did it, yeah. It, no, it, it did it. Yeah. Multiple regiments went to go see it, Jack. Multiple regiments. Oh yeah, dude. One. So here's the There's deal with like who uh, haven't seen it, which is shocking. Yeah, here's the deal with this weekend box office. So like uh, domestically. The original estimates had it tying with Elvis with thirty point five million each, and then the S- and then like the actuals came out and Top Gun made like twenty nine and Elvis made like thirty one point two, but if Top Gun's Friday would have been like a little better, it would have beat Elvis because it actually beat Elvis on Saturday and Sunday, like by Damn. a significant amount of money. So like, um, and then that was the big story that it has grossed one point zero six zero zero six billion dollars so far. Uh, it's the first movie of 2022 to gross a billion dollars. It's One Tom billion, Cruise's six hundred million. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Tom. It's Tom Cruise's uh, 
first billion dollar earner ever. And um, it's actually the second um, highest grossing Paramount release behind Transformers Age of Extinction, which grossed like $1.1 billion, which I think that it'll beat that uh, as well to become their biggest movie. Um, I and I think with Fourth, I think with Fourth July hope. this weekend, it, I think it's going to get a Fourth of July bump too from everyone that's all about like you know America and all that. <laughs> that people want to go see so, it so, again. So, yes, I have a question for Sam based on that. So I saw an article uh, literally today, and it said Stephen King, the only person or the only movie he's ever walked out of was Transformers. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> I have, I'm wondering what you think about that because I'm wondering what he's thinking about that so i want to hear your response <laughs> like what would even get stephen king to go to see walk out of Fran- in- out of he's never walked out of any movie before transformers is the one he walks out of yeah well i feel like the bigger question is why would stephen king the director go of maximum transformers overdrive, <laughs> go maximum see, overdrive, right? yeah go see transformers like can you imagine him in like 2007 like with like his wife tabitha just being like oh let's go let's go check out let's go watch shiloh book <laughs> check out megan fox all day yeah so he uh yeah i mean that's the first one he walked out of i don't know what got him in the theater in the first place he probably shouldn't have gone <laughs> in in the first place um, i'm gonna i'm gonna guess he didn't watch the sequels yeah, I he it's just an odd mismatch. Stephen well, King, actually, if if he I can't, I don't know I don't know if he's a big TNT or USA guy, but if he watched, they're TNT, always they're always on. Yeah. He definitely saw Dark Side of the Moon. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He definitely saw one of those movies. And I thought, like, I also thought, like, what an unnecessary like sting to Michael Bay. Like Michael Bay is just like chilling this week, and he's like, oh, that's the only movie you walked out of was something was I made in two thousand seven for a long time. Because he made like, Transformers, and they've all grossed a ton of money. They're just not that good. And actually, the first one is the one. The first one's like the good one. Oh, and Bumblebee. I, I, I personally think he walked out because he he saw the the first thirty minutes and he's like, God damn it, this genius! How dare he? How dare he make this? I should have made I this. <laughs> I don't understand Michael Bay. Nope, nope. He did. It's called Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. It really is his like Transformers. And I'm yeah. sure people walked out of that too. Yeah, probably. yeah, because he um he he po- he posted that because uh, he was responding to someone that said like Jurassic World Dominion was the first movie they walked out of in a very long time without finishing it. I've actually never walked out of a movie. Uh, I just I just go go through it, and I've no matter close. how bad it is, what, what got you close? The close <laughs> the closest movie that I walked almost walked out on. I stuck I stuck it out. I stuck it out was uh, The Founder with Michael Keaton, where he plays what? Roy Kroc. I love that movie. That's a fantastic movie. Wait, we can That's a good movie. Yeah, I've seen it at least four times. I love man, that. what the fuck, I man. love that movie. Well, did you watch it at home, guys? Because it might be different watching it in a theater. Maybe. Well, obviously, you're not. I mean, you have. this is an easy at-home movie. I don't know. I mean, maybe for your job you had to go to the movie theater, but this is an easy at-home movie. While eating some McNuggets. Oh, it's great. <laughs> while it's eating so McNuggets. Good. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't even think I've gotten I don't think I've even gotten close. <laughs> and I've and I've seen like all the Twilights in movie theaters, and I didn't walk out of those either. Wow. Okay. Like, I can't think of a movie. Statement from Gaius, guys. Just just to reiterate, Gaius has seen all of the Twilights in theaters. Because I had like the hope, the small hope. I had the small <laughs> hope that with each one they would get better. 
Yeah, he liked them. And they didn't have it. I did not like them. Dave, and it's okay not- to say you liked Twilight. It's okay to, to admit that you were dying for the next one to come out. I like I Twilight. I didn't waste money on it, but I like Twilight. You don't like Twilight. Do you really? Yeah, dude. Fuck it. I used to watch it with my sister. Parties, bro. He likes Twilight. Dude, shout out, yeah. shout out to Molly because uh, uh, she's my sister. She was the one who made me watch it. I was like, eh, I'm kind of down. They're- Team Wolf. Team Wolf, whatever, you know. Uh, oh, Team Wolf Badass. is good, though. Team Taylor Kish. <laughs> Team, Team Wolf is good. Team oh, Wolf, God. Um, <laughs> well, I uh, before we get into Spider-Man, I know you guys have seen a lot of the uh, the set picks from uh, the new Barbie movie that uh, it's coming out next year. Um, it's a mix of, like, I can't wait to see what they're doing with this. And... A slight concern. I just don't know what direction they're going in. Like someone put it on Twitter today, they're like, "Is this made for kids? Is it made for adults?" We just don't know yet. <laughs> but the accuracy on some of the outfits is pretty damn good. Someone did like a side by side of like of the yeah. them and the skates and stuff, and it, they look good. I just don't know what kind of movie it's going to be. It's Greta Gerwig. She can't do wrong, as far as I'm concerned. Bring it on. I mean, I I really want to go up to Venice and like maybe just spot a little Margot action because I love her. <laughs> um, big Margot fan. Uh, in, case, in case she's listening, I don't, I don't, I mean, if we're just talking here, let's just be honest, here, fellas. <clears throat> as well, we're all red-blooded Americans here. When your first scene in an actual motion picture is one, you giving Leo dome, and then two, you being fully <laughs> nude. And you still go up from there, I give you all the credit in the world. So I love Margot. Like you she could have been just like a bad actor a who's face, super hot. But she killed it. She has done everything she's needed to. She produces most of her movies. Like she produces movies now more than she's acting in them. So yeah. um, she, I think is she, she a, is fantastic. Is she a two time Oscar nominee? Is like I Tanya and Bombshell, or is there anything else that like the both. only two? Dude, she is so hot. She is so hot. I can't and even get over it. And she, and she did all that before, like, what? She was 30? Like, I don't know. She yeah, accomplished yeah, she's when, uh, I'm, just really I'm really interested to see what the script is like because, like, this movie for me can go in one of two ways. Like, there's one where it kind of goes cheap knockoff, like maybe a romantic like comedy. Legally, like Legally Blonde kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, like... like it, I don't know, like that, or they can kind of take a different spin on it. And in that in that sense, there's, there's so much wide open. There, there's many different doors they could take. And I really hope I see that because I feel like Margot and um, Ryan, Ryan yeah, Ryan Gosling, just they, they probably wouldn't take roles nowadays that aren't like, yeah, if it wasn't more to it, if it wasn't more to it, wouldn't just take some sort of money jacker. I feel, I feel like they're going to take something that's going to. I mean, when you're, some... when you're born for a role, like <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Gosling Gosling and Margot Gosling. Robbie for Ben and Ken, or uh, Barbie, Ken. <laughs> Ben and Ken is a different Ken, movie. <laughs> Dude, Ryan Gosling broke up a fight. Have you seen this video? He broke up a fight in New York City wearing capris and a tank top, ripped to shreds, <laughs> and both these guys just stopped. They were like, oh, because he was so gorgeous. So if that's not Ken, if that's not Ken, Barbie or whatever, yeah. In a, in a, like in a second, I mean, duh. So, um, this is de- also this is a huge money grab. They're, this movie, this movie, I'm saying it now is going to make dumb amount of money, dumb amount. I of think money. so. I think so. I too. do not care 
what some fucking uh no offense to you two guys uh chris and guys i love you guys i do not care what fucking reviewers say about this movie this movie has been like coming for 50 years like Moms will probably want to see this movie because no one, one asked for it, though. No one asked for it. <laughs> Who gives a shit? It's gonna make money, and that's why they're doing this. And that's I, why I was on, I was on someone else's podcast, and they said based on like the writer and director, because there's pedigree behind it. They were like, wouldn't it just be funny if it came out and got like Oscar nominations too? Like if it was like really that good, <laughs> like yeah, if it's really yeah, smart, yeah. It, it, it's possible. I mean, it's a possibility. Oscar Best Picture. Yes, yes. You said it today. It's going to be nominated for best costume design. <laughs> That'd be really sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it is. Yeah. Simu Liu is in it, and he was saying he was originally going to turn it down because it's the Barbie movie. But then his agent was like, "No, seriously, dude, this is the best script I've ever read." So it's 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 Greta Gerwig directing it. You know, of Little Women and and uh, Lady Bird, Lady Bird fame. Right. So I think. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be wild, but it's gonna be something special. <laughs> it's gonna be fun to look back on this next year and be like ten, Sam, ten Oscar nominations. Sam, do you think it's gonna be tainted because of this Barbie like sort of handhold that they have over it? Like, is it gonna be one oh, of the Mattel. best movies we've seen in a while? But like the fact that it says Barbie is gonna be a little bit of a chokehold. I mean, it it depends. It depends. I mean, that first trailer is going to be the make or break, right? That's going to be what determines the public's perception. That's going to get so many views. So many. Oh, my God. Especially after the picture. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude. That that and, and they better not fucking, they better not give me a teaser than a real trailer. Just give me the real trailer. Yeah. Yeah. The 25 second teaser to the trailer that's coming out in a month, and then the second trailer comes out in a month and a half, and then the final trailer comes out a week and a half before the movie. Fuck that. Yeah. Also, uh, Sam, I think that'd be a really fun press junket to work. I'm just like in my head thinking that. I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't. Yeah, it's we're it's it's a little it's a year out for both of us, but if yeah. That press junk, it's going to be bananas. It's just going to be absolutely bananas. I, I should just throw my name in the hat for it now. Like, I want this in a year. Right, right away, right away. <laughs> give, give me this in a year. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm i I'm hopeful just based on, like, the pedigree and, like, the people in it. And like you said, like, what uh, Simu Liu said about his agent saying, like, no, this script is really good. Like, it's. I don't think it's just going to be, like, a commercial, like, pop kind of movie. I think they're doing something a little bit more smart with it. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of see what they do with it. And the rest of the cast is freaking amazing. So I'm really curious to see how that all plays out as well. Uh, but yeah, now we can, uh, hop into the main, uh, part of the episode, which is uh, about the amazing Spider-Man, which was released on July 3rd, 2012, uh, coming up on 10 years, uh, 10 years, which is crazy. It doesn't seem like it was 10 years ago. Um, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man came together after uh, the cancellation of Spider-Man 4 because they didn't want to do uh, another one with Sam Raimi after, uh, even though Spider-Man 3 made a lot of money, a lot of people didn't like it. Uh, so they kind of decided to hit the reset button and uh, kind of did the origin story over again with Andrew Garfield playing Peter Parker Spider-Man. Uh, they did not go the Mary Jane route. They went the Gwen Stacy route with Emma Stone playing the part. And he also had Dennis Leary, Martin Sheen, Sally Field, and other actors to name a few in it. Um, the movie did make money, made $758 million worldwide, and it was the seventh highest grossing film of 2012. Um, 
it also spawned a sequel, which we won't talk about too much on this one because it's not its anniversary. <laughs> but it definitely did not live up to whatever promise the Amazing Spider-Man kind of showcased. Um, I would like to know, I mean, I'll start with um, Sam, kind of like what you thought of it when you first saw it. And if you thought it was necessary for them to kind of hit the reset button and not continue on with like what Raimi was doing and kind of starting over with uh, uh long, long story yeah long story short on that no i don't think they should have hit the reset button um and i remember being confused about it when i first heard about it um you know toby mcguire was saying he was already in the process of getting like fitted for his costume for spider-man oh, 4 they were ready to rock um and it, you you were reading the the box office data earlier amazing spider like spider-man 3 earned over well over 800 million dollars Right. That's it did almost a hundred million better than Amazing Spider-Man one, but they have everybody locked in contracts and they're like, well, this is our normal now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember seeing it in theaters. I was uh, studying. I was in grad school at the time. I was studying abroad in Argentina and it was released as El Sorprendente Hombre Araña in Argentina. <laughs> El Sorprendente Hombre Araña. I remember going to see it. And um, every time the cast, the cast in both Amazing Spider-Man movies are great. The cast, the casting is great. Every time those movies try to be like different than what came before, that's when they struggle. And mm-hmm. like, like the, the untold history behind the, the Parker's, like his parents' death. Oh, his parents. Yeah, that's a subplot that never really pays off. Um, the, and it never really was interesting. The, the not quite with great power comes great responsibility, like quote, cause we don't get that one in this. We get like this weird, not quite that thing from Martin Sheen. It's yeah. that's, that's a cop out. That, that's a cop out. Um, but yeah, there's some interesting Whoa. things that I enjoy in it, but, uh, did I think it needed to be rebooted? I didn't think so in like 2009 when they announced it and I didn't think so when i saw it in 2012 and here i am 10 years later and i'm still here to tell you i don't think it needed to happen all right owen what about you yeah i mean i actually really agree with pretty much all of that uh sam i i think that it's so so interesting for me to sort of realize why is this the superhero that gets the most consistent reboots and the most like the quickest oh, they're, they're the ones that um i mean barely years after toby mcguire died they're already thinking about the next spider-man so um they didn't do this with pretty much any other superhero except batman i will say that batman's the only other one who they've sort of resurrected many times but i i was wondering why they were doing this and I then the question um I think I know where Jack's going with this. I know know where he's going with that, but I think they (laughs) started the comics when it comes to the web shooters, and they were going a different direction when it comes to the the stories that they can tell with a specific Spider-Man. I think that that's kind of where they were going. Um, But I thought this was a very quick revitalization of a character that I didn't expect to see a new origin story, maybe even sooner than Wolverine got one. Uh, well, one, the reason that they, (laughs) yeah, I think I felt a little bit differently about it than you guys. Well, 
I haven't. Well, you don't know yet. You know what I gotta say? Uh, One, the reason that they're the reason that they're churning it out is because um, they have like a rule when you have the IP is that I, you need to make. It. Uh, I I didn't like Spider Man Three, which is the problem. I think I, I think that was like the main issue I had is that like Spider Man Three was just so not good to me that I was perf- that, <laughs> that I was perfectly okay with like. I guess the other scenario they could have let just let Sam Raimi breathe and just do what he wanted to do instead of interfering, which is what they clearly uh, they clearly uh, didn't uh, do with Spider Man Three. They were like throw in everything and the kitchen sink. Like we need we need Venom, we need Sandman, we need all these uh, you know people in it, and and I think that's why Spider Man Three kind of failed. So I was perfectly okay with a kind of like reset on it because I I was just afraid I was just afraid if they kept going with the way they were going that it wasn't going to get any uh, better. But um, that being said, I mean I guess what I ended up liking the most about it I mean I actually I and we kind of can talk about this a little bit I think that Andrew Garfield's Spider Man Peter Parker is a little bit more refreshing than Tobey Maguire's I like Tobey Maguire. Um, but yeah, but I, Toby, Toby is sad all the time. Andrew isn't. Yeah. So like, yeah. And I know that some people like have gone on the fact that like Andrew Garfield doesn't really like uh, feel like a nerd so much like that Peter, like Peter Parker would be. Um, and he feels more, more like an angsty kind of teen. That's like a little bit more of a loner rather than like someone who's a nerd. But I was, I was, I was fine with that. It's like, it worked. His interpretation of it worked. I also thought the relationship as far as like the, Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker relationship was a lot more fun to watch than the one that, that they did with Mary Jane and him in the 2002 movie. Mostly because even though I think that Kirsten Dunst and Tobey Maguire had chemistry, I think there was way more chemistry between Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, which is proven by the fact that they started dating while they were making the movie. Like you're watching them basically like fall in love <laughs> on 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 screen. So yeah. I thought I thought those aspects of it. Uh, were very good um but i do agree with sam like the there were some of the subplots that like the peter parker's parents i didn't really care about that um i think rehashing the the uncle ben stuff gets old (laughs) too which is why which is why i'm happy you know the tom holland ones you know didn't really go there they didn't do that and uh i'm i'm happy with that at least uh that they the newer ones kind of ignored some of that stuff, but um, I also think that as far as like the villains go, like, you know, 2002, like Willem Dafoe is a much better villain than we got with the lizard and the amazing Spider-Man. But I, I just think that like, it was, I think it was kind of necessary to reset it. I just kind of wish they had a better plan for what they were going to do with it moving forward. Cause it's clear that, you know, with the, uh, with the amazing Spider-Man two, they were like, okay, the Amazing Spider-Man one was successful. We can like do what we want now because we can't. We're coming off a successful movie, and let's try to develop all these things while we're trying to develop this sequel. And it, that part of it didn't work, and that kind of sh- started to show you what like Sony will continue to do down the line for years and years with like the Spider-Man uh, properties, at least. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where like. I am on it. I mean, I, I accepted a bit more, I think, than you guys did. And I actually really, like, enjoyed it on first watch. And I think it kind of gets a little bit better with, like, subsequent watches. It, it definitely doesn't have the same, like, feeling of nostalgia that I felt when I saw the 2002 movie. Because 
that was like what right before uh, my senior year of high school was over. There was like a lot more going on that summer compared to, you know, the summer of 10 years ago when I was just 27. I don't even know what I was doing. <laughs> so like, well, If you want to hear something like super, super crazy, I maybe like the Amazing Spider-Man 2 maybe more than the Amazing Spider-Man 1. That's a hot take. Why? <laughs> I mean, without going too much, too much into it, um, you get a lot of like, Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker is fully in Spider-Man is fully formed by the time the amazing Spider-Man two starts. There's none of that, like not great origin story arc that we get in amazing Spider-Man one. Um, like we don't get an entire sequence where he learns how to like master his powers by skateboarding in a warehouse. Um, <laughs> you know, the, uh, it's he's cool. <laughs> yeah, this one's different. He skateboards. Uh, no, the, um, uh, I actually like Jamie Foxx's electro. Um, I think those are very visually stunning fight scenes, like in Times Square and in the power station. Um, yeah, and it, it just kind of it builds on the chemistry. Now, is it a perfect Spider-Man? Is it my favorite Spider-Man movie or in my top half Spider-Man movies? No, but I'll take it over Amazing Spider-Man 1 because it leans into the things that made that first one so good. Well, Shailene Woodley did scenes for, as MJ for The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but they cut them, I think. Uh, she was supposed to be really? Mary Jane. No way. Yeah, and they cut they cut all the scenes, and uh, I just remember being that was interesting because I thought she'd probably be a decent choice for that if they were going to continue, uh, in that trajectory at all. But yeah, I thought I never found out really why they cut all that, why they cut the Mary Jane character. Maybe just they just knew they weren't getting a sequel. That's why. Well, no, they uh, they, <laughs> they had to because the emotional bedrock of Amazing Spider-Man Two is is Peter's relationship with Gwen. And they were like, why are we taking it away, taking away attention from that while Gwen is still alive <laughs> by introducing like Mary Jane as his next door neighbor that we've never seen before. So you <laughs> yeah, can actually sure. like find set photos and stuff online of that. Um, but yeah, yeah, they they cut out that and they cut out um, a scene where Peter's father is revealed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild where he faked his death and it's just like, what the, what the hell? Um, I'm not, I wasn't too familiar with um, the origin story with his parents. Like, how much is that is comic book based at all, and how much is so done for this movie? I guess as as the resident comic book expert. Um, oh, so, Jack, you're getting uh, you're getting destroyed right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Richard, Sam, Sam, destroy him, destroy him. He's got cred- he's got credentials. Yeah. <laughs> I think I am, but the, uh, I'm kidding. Um, the, uh, Richard and Mary Parker are, um, they're secret agents in one iteration in the main six one six. They're even working with like Nick Fury and they get taken out by Hydra. And then, um, the ultimate universe, they're scientists and they unleash a version of the venom symbiote that they're working on on the flight, which is probably what this movie takes the most from is the ultimate death of the Parkers and the venom symbiote basically is unleashed because it's artificially created in the ultimate universe, as opposed to being an alien life form. And that's what kills them there. And in the, uh, there's a 1999, uh, it's not, we're going in the weeds. There's a 1999 Spider-Man prose novel called Spider-Man gathering of the sinister six or the gathering of the sinister six or whatever the hell. 
and this <laughs> figure known as the gentleman murders uh, the Parkers. And that's the shadowy figure that we see in the post at the ending of this movie and at the ending of Amazing Spider-Man 2. And that never pays off because we never, we still haven't seen the Sinister Six, despite, you know, No Way Home having just shy of six villains <laughs> movie. Um, yeah, so... So yeah, that's the that's the tragic history of of Richard and Mary Parker. That's interesting though. I, I had no I had no idea, and like you know, I guess it's cool that they tried to attempt to do. I just don't think like it ultimately like completely paid off, even though they tried to make it pay off. I mean, I really like the Amazing Spider-Man. I think it's like it's very very entertaining. Um, I really enjoyed. I mean, like Jack said, the CGI is better except for the lizard. Um, like, it does, it does, it does. But, like, they, they they relied so heavily on CGI, and I'm kind of in agreement with the mass population where Andrew Garfield and now Tom Holland, and I would even say Tobey Maguire a little bit, they don't really give off the nerd vibe that Peter Parker should be giving. And I feel like we still haven't hit the nail on the head for who Spider-Man is. I think Tom Holland has hit the young, like, I mean, I guess he doesn't really come off as a new crowd. He's hit the new crowd. But the fact that he's like age appropriate helps. uh, He's 25, bro. Well, no, when when he started, when he started, he was age, like more age appropriate than like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Okay. Uh, Yeah, that's right. But I mean, I like 31 or something when he started. I think he was was in his late 20s. 20, he was right? like twenty, like he was twenty-seven, and Andrew Garfield was like twenty-nine when they started. Um, and then you figure uh, Tom Holland was, I think, nineteen when uh, Civil War came out. So okay. yeah, it's they're working their way. They're working their way. They're getting there. Yeah, <laughs> they are. They're uh, it was, well. It's interesting now because I think what's interesting to like look back on this movie is. Uh, the reception that they received ten years ago, and then mm-hmm. the reception after that like no way that, home. yeah after no way home where like everyone's just like yeah Andrew Garfield now I was one of those people when the movie came out I was like hey I thought Andrew Garfield was a better Spider Man than Tobey Maguire I said that ten years ago but then like seemed like everyone was just like rooting pull for him tapes, or just became- <laughs> pull the, pull the tapes. yeah they just like they like jumped like they jumped on the Andrew Garfield bandwagon and suddenly he was like. I mean, he was great in the movie. Like, I, I, I don't know, like, in your screenings, like, what it was like, but his appearance in No Way Home yeah. got the biggest cheer Weird. of of the bunch. And uh, why do you think Why do you think that is, though? I mean, like, I guess maybe time kind of, like, makes these things a little better. And then uh, maybe because, like, they don't, like, link the Amazing Spider-Man and the second one together as much. You can kind of look I at them as two separate. I it's because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I mean, I'm kind of those cheer cheerers age. Like, when when did the first Spider-Man come out? 2000, 2002. 2002. Yeah, I was six years old. So, like, Andrew Garfield was kind of like the first one that we got to go to the That's movies how. for. So, I think a lot of cheers were for that. Uh, yeah, you know, I, mean, I think for, Yeah. Yeah, I'd say part of it is Andrew Garfield is the best part of both of his Spider-Man movies. And that's, I mean that genuinely. He really is. He's the best part of of both of his Spider-Man movies. And and honestly, he he honestly loves playing the part too. Like he like grew up wanting to play Spider-Man. 
And I think that he's talked about how like it made him really sad that like, you know, after that second movie, it's, he, he could tell while making the second one that it really wasn't going the way it should be going. And he was a little disappointed that like, you know, it things turned out the way they did. And like, I think he kind of felt that he got a bit of a redemption with appearing in no way home and like kind of got to make people up for, calling for a third. Yeah. And now people are calling for like you, they want him to finish his Spider-Man trilogy. We always want these things. And I don't really think we necessarily should have them, but I think because of like the snack Snyder, the Zack Snyder people of the world who like demand these things, uh, we feel like we can get them if we like really you, rally for think, it. Do you think that if they came out with an amazing Spider-Man three, it would be successful? as they would hope it would i think they would spend like 185 million dollars on it and they'd make like 450 i don't think i mean i think if sony was hoping for like tom holland spider-man numbers they would be disappointed yeah. but if they were if they sunk 120 150 million dollars in it You'd probably get like a five to six hundred dollar return, million dollar return, um, and hopefully, I don't know. I think you could do a, di- a different director. Garfield is still game. I don't think it would it ever happen. I don't know. There's talk about him it. being the Spider-Man of the for 120, even for 120. I doubt it. I could, yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's a tough shoot. It's a tough sell. Yeah. And and do you think Andrew Garfield even wants to do it? Yeah, I mean, or is he just happy? Or is he just happy? Do you think he's happy the way he went out with this last one? I was like, hey, I, he would love to revisit the character. I can just tell from his performance in No Way Home. Yeah, yeah, I, I think. A lot of fun. I, would, yeah, I think he would be very like he would really review what the material was. Like he wouldn't want to make a misstep like he maybe did before mm-hmm. um, in his early years. Yeah, it also begs the question: How much creative control would they would Sony allow him to have <laughs> over the project? Yeah, yeah. Truth be told, I have not trusted Sony since Morbius. Hell, before that, and way before that. Venom two, Venom two did it for you. Uh, I never saw no, it. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Yeah, they they don't know what they're doing. The only time that they're really good is when they have an assist from Marvel Studios. Marvel, yeah. And like that, I mean, they, they just need, like, I think they get so, like, caught up in, like, oh, we have all these characters and we can make all this money. And then like, I look at all the characters we have the rights to and now let's, like, see what we can do with it. And it's just, like, it's not, oh, not worth it at all. Uh, especially if you're not going to utilize, like, the... Utilize them in the right way and actually make a good story around them, instead of just trying to crank them out just to crank them out. Yeah, like I mean, we already we already like you know with Craven the Hunter and what they're doing with that and making him an animal lover and like when that's not even what that character is, uh, it's just they they do the exact opposite of what people want. <laughs> and like I would be I would be I would be afraid to see what they would do with say whatever the fuck they want and they do whatever the fuck they want and they're like you know what we might make a hundred million dollars on this movie and that's fine and they don't care and it bugs me it bugs me about sony i agree i agree um well when the amazing spider-man came out it actually did had decent reviews uh well 72 percent fresh rating on ron tomatoes which isn't great 
but it's not bad either. It got an A minus cinema score when it came out from from moviegoers. Uh, apparently, this was the last Marvel comics based movie that Roger Ebert reviewed before he passed away in 2013, and he said it was probably the second best within the Spider Man franchise after Spider Man Two. Um, uh, but a lot of a lot of critics complained that they felt like it was a pointless rehash and compared it negatively to like Superman Returns and thought it was trying really hard to be like something like Batman Begins, uh, where it was really trying to restart and uh, a franchise that some felt didn't need to be restarted. They could have just continued on as like you guys said, they could have just moved on with Spider-Man 4. And uh, yeah, like I said, give Sam Raimi the breathing room to make the movie he wants to make and maybe Spider-Man 4 could have been a good thing. Um. But yeah, I um, who knows? Yeah, who knows? I mean, and I and I know that Sam Raimi was like kind of dis- well, he was burnt out after Spider Man Three. The experience with that kind of made him oh, a bit yeah. negative towards yeah. a bit negative towards these kind of movies. Which you know, him doing Doctor Strange was like a big deal because he was going back into this world again and like I rewatched trusting. it again this weekend as well. Oh yeah, what what did you think of it in second watch? Oh, it was better than the first time I saw it. It was oh, there, it was really good. I really liked it a lot. I was I was expecting like a the Batman where you're like, oh, I didn't really like I liked it, but it didn't hold my attention. Like it no, I just I, I really really I don't know. I, I I kind of appreciated more of the like lighthearted nuances about it rather than being critical of them the first time around. I feel like every time I watch a new Marvel movie, I'm like, all right, what's the new Marvel joke? What's where are they going to find comedy? Uh, and so I'm a little critical of that when I first see it, and then. On a second watch, I appreciate it a little bit more. I'm like, yeah, that works there. Um, and yeah. then I, I, I just try and focus on these heroes using the the might of their abilities and um, being able to witness that on screen. Um, and also seeing John Krasinski get his head popped. Honestly, that, that kind of was dope again to see. <laughs> I'd like to see my man John Krasinski get his head popped. <laughs> yeah, because he was a terrible... Um, he was terrible as Reed Richards, so I'm down to watch him get killed again. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Hey, he has opinions. That's I mean, that's his name on Instagram. <laughs> he's got he's got opinions. Yeah, that was sick, but his only action scene was his only action scene was him doing this. Punching the air. <laughs> with yeah. One long arm. She grabs him and then turns him into into fucking fettuccine. So like <laughs> He's not impressive whatsoever. Smartest man on earth, eight one eight. Just uh, and and, and Jace, you and I talked <laughs> yeah, about true. this in the Doctor Strange episode. They were like, "We're not scared of Wanda. We're scared of you, Doctor Strange." She comes in and kills them all. I'm like, it takes them all out. Sort of, <laughs> you been scared of her the entire time. It so like, feels- smartest man in the universe, my ass. Absolutely <laughs> not. That's so stupid. That's so dumb. Abs- I, I, I hope that he dies with this movie and he does not become Reed Richards. More, more, more hot takes from Owen. Um, but, uh, before we wrap this up with a little uh, who did it better, I just wanted to, uh, when it came to casting uh, Spider-Man for this one, other than Andrew Garfield, they had Anton Yelchin as a possibility, uh, Josh Hutcherson from The Hunger Games, uh, uh, Jamie Bell was also uh, considered. They said Jamie Bell... Um, Alden, I always this guy's last name that was in Solo, a Star Wars. Iron Wright. Yeah, he uh, he also screen tested for the role. Uh, so did Logan Lerman, and but it ultimately went to Andrew Garfield. Uh, 
some of the girls that were up for Gwen Stacy were Emma Roberts, Teresa Palmer, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Diana Agron, who was the Quinn for Bray, the blonde on Glee. And other, uh, they said Michael Fassbender was also originally considered for the role of the lizard, um, which I think would have been kind of interesting. Uh, he would have not as just, just as terrible in CGI. <laughs> yeah, well, it just- what made it, what makes it even more interesting is he was uh, he was still Magneto at the time. Really? Oh, so so yeah. he could have been like they could have been in some multiverse. Class came out in 2011, so <laughs> that's true. Amazing. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, double, I guess double dipped. Could have done it. Could have double dipped. Is there is there any double dipping like that in comic book movies? Not while I mean, because like Chris Evans has been the Human Torch, the Torch, yeah, America, um, and Captain America, but like in different periods, um, just not concurrently, like not at the same time. That'd be, yeah. Oh, yeah, Jimbo, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, oh, yeah, and yeah, Matrix. <laughs> the first name it took me a while to. I was like, even Jamin. I was like, who is he say? Oh yeah, Jamin Hansu. I got it. <laughs> Taika Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi's uh, Ratcatcher one, and he's Korg. So that's true. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna okay, we're gonna do a little. Uh, who did it better between the? O2 movie and the 2012 movie. Uh, when it comes to the female leads, Kirsten Dunst, Mary Jane, or Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy. And I will go with Owen and then Sam and then Jack. Gwen Stacy, no doubt. Bam. All right, Sam, uh, what about Gwen you? Has more, Gwen has more to do than MJ in this one. Give it to Gwen. That's true. So why, why MJ? Only because you were different than the other two. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, going along the the female thing again. Uh, better chemistry. Kirsten Dunst, Tobey Maguire, Emma Stone, Andrew Garfield. Wait, what, what was your choice? You were you were the tiebreaker. Oh, oh, I actually, I actually prefer uh, Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy. My my, I don't have like a total issue with like Ma- like Mary Jane gets kind of annoying in Spider Man One. She gets more annoying in the second and third one. Uh, I don't, I don't get, any, I don't get any of that from Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy across those two movies. I think she, I, mean, I think. Well, yeah, but I mean that, that's not it her fault. Oh, it, has, it has to do with the acting. I, I don't. I mean, Mary J is my least favorite character in the Spider-Man movies. Because she's just always, yeah, yeah. I've always had an issue with that character. I mean, like, it's the pinnacle of like dramatic irony where she doesn't know what's going on, but she acts, but no one tells her what's going on, so she just has to act stupid the whole time. And it has nothing to do with <laughs> Kirsten Dunst; it has to act with the writing. So all she does is just act like she has no idea what's going on, and then gets mad at everyone for it. Yeah, and, and you know, honestly, that's, that's when they were. About Mary J. That's when they were writing female leads like that a certain way too. Like they were like more like we've talked about this before, where they're just kind of just there to uh, be emotional and be rescued and all that. And they did that a lot with her and uh, across those movies. Um, I don't think she ever. I mean, you guys would maybe think differently, but I don't think she ever had like a strong like character arc. Like she would just no. kind of. She just there. got saved. That's what she did. She just, just got saved a lot. Yeah. 
Sucks. All right. All right. I'll go with better chemistry again. Better chemistry, Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, Kirsten Dunst, Tobey Maguire. Am I first again? Uh, Kirsten yeah, and Toby. Oh, uh, I think, yeah, I think Emma and Emma, Emma and uh, Andrew have better chemistry. What about you, Jack? Now it's interesting, Owen, because you went with like Quinn Stacy as like your preferred female lead, right? But then you chose Tom McGuire and Kirsten Dunst for better chemistry. Yeah. Why is that? Um, I think that they both played like sort of these, like. They, they kind of both felt like outcasts, whereas Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield are too hot to be outcasts. And they just felt <laughs> like they were acting like below what they should have been. Like not, not in terms of like below their, their standards of actors and actresses, but like I believe the story of Toby and Kirsten more when it came to their chemistry. Like it was very awkward. He was like an awkward guy who kind of had a crush and she was like, Oh, he's cute because he's awkward. And like, I believe that more than sort of this stunningly hot girl who happens to be a nerd that Andrew Garfield falls in love with that. That's the, I, I kind of believe that more. No, that was a hundred percent real. A hundred plus takes, but they did it. <laughs> but they got it. But they did it. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. That's true. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think I already said, I said Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield. I mean, there, there are times where they are like bouncing dialogue off each other, where it's just like, they're completely riffing and on the same page. And you can just like, kind of, it doesn't feel like they're acting really. It just seems like they're just kind of like enjoying a conversation together. To me, that feels more scripted rather than more conversation. Yeah. Like the absence of, like, I mean, I'll, I'll equivalent it to Jack, you're going to hate me, but Gone Girl, where the dialogue just feels fake. Oh, look at Jack just raised his head up. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean that, that's the one thing that I think of when I feel like I'm seeing dialogue that I don't believe. Gone Girl is my first realization. Because I know you love Gone Girl and you're a big Ben Affleck fan. No, you do love, you do. You do. You do love the Apple. Oh, okay. Oh, she was so good. She, she was so something. good. She was so good in that movie, though. Yeah. And Owen, I get what you're saying about how a certain dialogue seems like it is actually written dialogue and not like real people talking. It's it's, it's the like, flirting it's like, scene, like when they're flirting at the um like her childhood, like the her book signing, the book signing. Yeah, yeah, that's just it doesn't seem real to me, and I feel like that was a lot of what I got in the Spider-Man um, script was yeah, a lot of like sort of this very very scripted like unintentional flirting, and I could feel it, and that that's yeah. what bothered me. All right, we got a couple more. All right, uh, more emotion, more emotional weight. The death of Uncle Ben in the O2 film or in the 2012 film? O2. Yeah, it's not even a contest. <laughs> yeah, honestly, really, it's really awkward in the in the Amazing Spider-Man one. It's really like he's like stumbling. Like it's it's yeah, it's much better, much better handled in. Uh, in the 2002 spider I, I just, he, so I, there's a, there's a, he sees a mugging happening, happening while he's looking for Peter in like Queens. Like he's out searching. 
he basically like runs into him and shoots him and it's like oh okay yeah it's a whole thing <laughs> that's a good attempt <laughs> in the fact right. he, go too. Like, he let him go that, that was the big kicker for me it was like he's the one who could have stopped him but he didn't yeah I agree the two one hits more even though I'm more familiar with sometimes when you're more familiar with an actor it kind of hits more and I'm more familiar with Martin Sheen because I've seen him in like a lot of things um, but I think like the O2 one does hit a bit more and a bit better uh, in the same vein of like the aunt and uncle, like Sally Fields on on uh, May, or Rosemary Harris from uh, the O2 film, who feels more like an Aunt May than uh, than all of them, actually. No, <laughs> oh, it's hard because I mean I'm gonna go with Tom Holland's Aunt May. <laughs> You're just gonna skip and go to Marissa Tomei. <laughs> yeah, Marissa Tomei. Sorry, she she takes the cake for me. <laughs> all right, Sam, who's yours? <laughs> Uh, that's tough. That, I mean, that's tough. Um, Rosemary Harris feels more like comic book Aunt May. Yeah. Um, and that she's like geriatric as fuck, but like, (laughs) yeah, it's probably, it's probably going to go. I'm probably going to stick with Rosemary. I mean, Sally does a good job, but, but I'm going to go with Rosemary. All right. What about you, Jack? Yeah, I'm going to go with that too. Only, and I like, and I, I think Sally feels a great actress. I, I agree with Sam, though. She seems more comic book appropriate. Uh, the one that you kind of grew up reading in the comic books. Um, but I will say, not. I mean, I know this has nothing to do with this film, but what they do with the Aunt May character in the Tom Holland movies, I thought was actually kind of brilliant and just made her, like, hot. And she's just unaware that she's hot. <laughs> and uh, oh, I don't think I'll... She knows I mean, well, it seems like she, like, was, like, more aloof to it in, like, the first and second one. Um... First of all, she's not young. Marissa Tomei is like almost like sixty, her. bro. <laughs> but she just looks great. I, I, I will, I will give you. <laughs> let me give you an okay. age on Marissa. We're back to the blockbuster. We have no ageism, absolutely not whatsoever. She's not whatsoever. 57. She's, she's fifty-seven. At the, we're, at the time we're recording, say so. so what? At the time we're recording, she's 57. Bro, I'm telling you. What? (laughs) No way home came out five years ago before the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) She was uh, the first time she's time we see her in Civil War. Civil War. Civil War is when we see her first. She would be 51. So she's still. Over 50. Dude, she looks like she's in her late 30s. Yeah, she looks great. Well, Marissa Tomei is always... Marissa Tomei, is, she's always been gorgeous, and I think she kind of has gotten more beautiful. 57. <laughs> Bro, tell me a time and an, and an age, and I'll sleep with Marissa Tomei, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I love this segue. She's old right now, but she looks great. So, like, so, so Jack wants her to look elderly, is what he's trying to say. Oh, <laughs> oh why? 
The thing is, like, she's an aunt. She should be the same age as her sister, which should be Spider-Man's mom, which means, like, why would Spider-Man's mom have him when she's, like, 60? And so why does she look 85 years old? (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I look. And lastly, I know I think we kind of touched on it, uh, but if you have to pick uh, between... Andrew Garfield in this film and Tom McGuire in the O2 film. Who's the better Spider-Man, Peter Parker? <laughs> I wonder, you want to go? Yeah, oh. yeah. Actually, like the I like, costume in the I O2. Like, I like class costume. I like I like Raimi Raimi era costume more than than um, this one. Yeah. Than uh, what's. All right, what about you, Sam? Uh, he's yeah, Garfield's the better Spider-Man. I mean, um, I think he gets the humor more. I think he balances the tone better. Um, he feels yeah, he just he feels more like the Spider-Man, and he he really goes for it in t- Amazing Two, like where he's like wearing like the fireman gear and everything. But yeah, yeah. it's it's even apparent here in Amazing One. All right, what about you, Owen? I'm going with Toby. I think that he does a better job um, in terms of just the fact that, like, he really embraces the character in the basic sense of who Peter Parker is. And I think that he he really, even though it might not have been done perfectly in 2002, um, I think that he really embraces who Peter Parker is and, and what that character captures uh, better than Andrew Garfield. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, even, even in the look, I think he does a better job. So, uh, that's my pick. Well, we already know mine. I've been talking about it for a long time. I think Andrew Garfield is a better, uh, Spider-Man overall. Uh, also found it to be more likable than Tobey Maguire. And then, and not to say that there's anything wrong with Tobey Maguire's take on it. Cause I think he's good. Uh, saying that you like one more than the other doesn't mean like the other one is necessarily bad. It's just that I think I had more fun with Andrew Garfield's take on it. Um, I, I think what a lot of us have said is that, like, if Andrew Garfield had better movies built around him, that he would have had a really great run as Spider-Man, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, if the, if yeah. the movies were a lot better, like, it, he possibly could have still been playing him. I, I don't know. I mean, it My, really all depends on how... Why, why even reboot it? Just recast it like it's James Bond. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting, too, where you don't have to keep redoing the origin story you just kind of like throw in a different actor and like yeah all that that is what the that is what the story is yeah the only time the only time james bond is a different character like sean connery through pierce brosnan is quite explicitly the same character. Like he mourns, like, I'm not just saying, I have a James Bond poster, like right there, but like the, <laughs> the, um, like that he mourns his, his late wife. There's references to past movies across. But 007 is 007. Right. 007 is the, is the, is the secret. Title. The, the name. The, the yeah the double O designation yeah but the yeah the 
James, the only explicitly different James Bond is Daniel Craig's James Bond, which is why it makes the most sense for him to die. Yep. I agree. That did open the flood, floodgates to like, oh shit, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I, I want to explore that for sure. And then Sam, and then Sam has to be on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I got yeah. I'll I'll, I'll bring. I, I got plenty of James Bond gear. I'll, I'll be ready. Um, <laughs> let's see. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I admit I that my James Bond, my James Bond knowledge is like slim, so there'd be a good like research for me because I like I, I'm not like a super fan like a lot of people are, but I would definitely deep dive. Uh, Sam, we'll have a good guys. combo. We'll have a good combo. I'm telling sure. you, I'll be ready for sure. You, you, sure, yeah. And uh, to wrap all this up, I mean, like the o, the O2 movie is like considered, I think, a classic amongst like comic book films. Um, where does this one kind of stand ten years later? Is it just? I think Owen, you said that like earlier you thought it was kind of like the forgotten one where people don't really think about it that much anymore but like where do you think it is at at 10 years later um i mean i think that it's one of those ones that um unfortunately it's not the iron man of its generation um (laughs) iron man is the one that is like considered the pinnacle of the like re like the generation of mcu um unfortunately spider-man is not that it is kind of the it is the pinnacle of its own sort of thing where it started this superhero movie um, movement and, and this movement. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that it has its own special place in the Marvel universe, but it is not in any sense um, compared to the MCU movies. I think, I think it's got to be put in its own sector because it is, it is basically like a archaic version of what you should do when you, try and make a superhero movie and it is genius and there's a blueprint and you should follow it and you should make that movie every time. Um, but it is not Iron Man. It is not, um, Avengers. Uh, so it's, it's really hard to kind of put that in, in sense because it was made 15 years prior. So, so it's like, (laughs) how can you really judge those two movies when it comes to CGI necessity? Um, like these movies rely so heavily on, um, the creation of of new things and to put you in a, a different world uh, with super abilities. And um, the 2002 version does a great job of it at the time, but it does not stack up to Doctor Strange. Um, so it's just one of those hard things to really compare, but I think it is the genesis of uh, what we now call superhero movies. Yeah. I, I think uh, with, with, the O2 movie, like you said, it really set up because like, you know, you had like Blade was successful and X-Men was successful, but like Spider-Man O2 was successful in a much bigger and different way. And I, I brought it up before that summer of O2 when that came out, it it hit pretty differently compared to like, you know, the 2012 movie that came out. It, it didn't that movie didn't have the same uh, overall impact. But I do think years removed from it, I think people are like have revisited it more and they kind of accept it a bit more, especially post no way home when they're wanting to be like, Oh, I should really watch that Andrew Garfield one. Maybe it wasn't as bad as I remember, or wasn't as flawed as I remember. Um, I think in that regard, it, it is in a pretty good spot, like favorably. Um, but in the grand scheme of being a classic comic book movie, I still don't think like the 2012 film is 
by any stretch of the imagination. And that's just because it, it, it's, it also falls victim to when it came out. I mean, like when you're like rebooting all these kind of things, like starting from the beginning, like you get compared to stuff like Batman Begins. I was like, that, that's how you like reboot something and start over. And like that becomes like the new bl- blueprint of uh, resetting everything. And for better or worse, like a lot of those movies get compared to better movies like that. And either they stand up or they don't. And I think in the case of The Amazing Spider-Man, it didn't quite stand up, but I also don't think it is a bad film by any means either. But definitely not going to stand up as a classic. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's going to stand up as like a classic, but I think that it definitely has its time of being rediscovered, uh, you know, years down the line. Dude, my Amazing Spider-Man Blu-ray was covered in dust. That's the last time I watched it. <laughs> I pulled it out of the uh, the Blu-ray rack. And it was like, shut up. Yes, yes, they do. Physical media still matters, you assholes. <laughs> uh, Sam, what about you? Like, we'll end it with you. Like, what do you think as far as? It's a product of its time. It's a product of its time. Um, it feels like. I mean, they're all studio movies, right? But it feels a little more studio-y than than maybe some of the other ones. Um, but I, I do like that. I do like that <laughs> Andrew Garfield has got the reappraisal that that he frankly deserves. I think I think that was yeah. good. I agree. Well, thank you guys for uh, revisiting this one, uh, and Sam for you for being on. I feel like uh, you might be like a go-to for like anniversary, especially comic book stuff, because that. That is, seems to be your thing. And oh you yeah, or, or James Bond apparently. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I think you birth. I think you birth uh, a theme episode with James Bond because I would. I've been looking for an excuse to get into those uh, mm. more. So I've been and, dying uh, for a James Bond episode. And I and I think that I think the issue too is I haven't really watched a lot of the older ones. I'm more. I'm more. Uh, oh, you got to see them, man. They're classics. I'm yeah, I'm more like it, like, the, like just misogyny and just horrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this, this year does mark the 60th anniversary of the James Bond oh, film series. Did it already happen? Um, Doctor No, I want to say Doctor No is like a end of the year release. Oh, it was we can, a we can, uh, like really plan this out then. Huh, it was a uh, October 5th. All right, we can really plan that out then. We have time to like watch, or I would have time to watch some of the older ones because I've, I've only seen some of the older ones in passing, and I'm I'm more familiar with Pierce Brosnan, you know, down the line. So, uh, so yeah, I, that'd be fun. Um, but Sam, thank you for being on with us, and uh, not only talking Spider Man, but also talking the news at the top of the episode as well. Um, yeah, yeah always I'll try to get a better mic. So, <laughs> no, you're you're fine. You're fine. You're good. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as always, Owen, uh, you can sign us off. Well, guys, I just want to thank you for listening in. Sorry, my cat is trying to bite me right now. Um, <laughs> he's uh, annoyed by the attention that he's not getting. But I just want to say um, thank you guys for listening. Um, I feel like we had some good hot topics on this episode. Uh, a lot of disagreements. And I I always relish that. It's one of those things that, um, if we, like I said, if we always agree – then this podcast wouldn't really be that fun. It would just be us kind of talking for about 30 minutes and just relaying facts and then we'd move on. But the fact that we have different opinions is one of the things I love about this. So um, always love talking movies with you guys. Sam, thank you for being on. Uh, we love having guests. It just makes everything uh, a lot more fun and, and a lot more diverse. So it's just great to have 
people on. So thank you and, and listen to us wherever you'd like to listen to podcasts. Personally, I myself like Spotify. Um, if you like to uh, listen on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, any of good those pods. corporate conglomerates, wherever you, yeah, good pods for sure. Uh, that's one of our favorites that we should listen to. Um, thanks for continuing to rate us well. Um, but uh, yeah, please keep listening. We appreciate you guys. Leave comments to uh, maybe something that we should cover next. So, and then with that, Jack will um, take us over with some final comments. He always has the best. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. You know, you can read my stuff at CBR, SVG, Looper, and uh, Popverse. Um, you guys have been like, yeah, it's been a lot of fun talking about all things Spider-Man. Um, you know, you guys know where to find me on, on social media. It's on all the author pages that I have. <laughs> so I'll, <laughs> I'll share you the handles and uh, I'll catch you on the flip. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having me on. Thanks, everybody. Thank